scratch and smooth. If I said Richard III to you, what image does your mind conjure up? A Machiavellian villain from the Dark Ages with a hump and a dodgy haircut? Whispering deadly asides to camera? Scheming and murdering his way through his reign in order to retain it? A man essentially obsessed with power. Well, architect-turned-playwright Ian Dixon Potter doesn't think so. In fact, he believes the real Richard III had a much more benign nature. And he's written a play, Good King Richard, based on numerous historical documents, to redress the balance. Three cheers for Good King Richard. So on the line now from Kenley, near Caterham, is Ian Dixon Potter, who's both written and directed uh, this play. So the White Bear Theatre, this is going to be on from December the 8th to the 20th, and, and when we're recording it, it's actually the 7th of December, so you're on tomorrow night. How are you feeling? That's right, it's our opening night, yes. You've got butterflies? Very, very exciting. <laughs> Presumably you're doing dress rehearsals now. We are. Today we had what's called the tech day. Mm. I've only just got home after after doing that, and, and that's where you coordinate the sound yep. and the Technical rehearsals. Fantastic. And tomorrow is the dress rehearsal followed by the opening night. Now, this is a fantastic idea, Ian. But the only thing I can sort of relate it to is, is a novel I read years ago called Pervain, which was about um, Elizabeth I and if she had been assassinated and how history would have taken a different path. So sort of science fiction or a what-if route. But this seems to be restoring history in a way that's never been done before, or has it? That's right. That was very surprising that, in a way. This isn't like the novel you refer to, because this no. is... Of course not. As, as far as I can make it, the, what what I believe to be the true history of Richard. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the Richard III that most people are aware of through Shakespeare um, and through our hist established history books is based largely on Sir Thomas More's History of King Richard. Yes, written, written by the victor, of course, <laughs> the victors. Exactly. And Thomas More, was, he was writing under the Tudor period and the Tudors were the victors. So there was um, a great deal of propaganda uh, which painted a monstrous vision of Richard as the vile usurper who yes. murdered the princess of the tower and several other people on his way to the throne. Right. In fact, some of the people he's supposed to have murdered were murdered before he was born or when he was a child. So obviously Richard III, uh, King of England, died at the uh, Battle of Bosworth Field and he, he really marked the end of the Middle Ages. That's right. He's, he's usually regarded as the last medieval king. He's the last of the Plantagenets yes, and the last absolutely. king to die in battle. And of course, we can't avoid Richard III by William Shakespeare, the uh, very Machiavellian character with a hunchback and a side to the camera. And you want to completely sort of uh, set records straight. That's the idea, yes. Well, well, I mean, do you have a big love for history? Where did all this come from? Yes, I, I do have a love for history. Um, uh, this play originated last March. Okay. It, it came from, uh, at the time, my, I, I've had three plays this year produced in London, and the first Fantastic. one was about the imagined friendship between William Shakespeare and Christopher Marlowe. Now, that one was much more conjectural than this one. Sure. But at the time, in a conversation with a friend who came to see the play, he had this idea. He said, why don't you make our next play about Richard I, thinking it would be topical with the Crusades and what's going on in the Middle East at the moment. But it didn't appeal. But I thought, how about another Richard, Richard III? Mm. 
Now, at that point, I, I knew there was an alternative view of Richard. I had once met a member of the Richard III Society, oh. a, a sort of rough idea of, of, of the, what's referred to as the pro-Ricardian view. Hmm. But I didn't know a great deal, and so I went away and researched it. I joined the Richard III Society mainly to gain access to their wonderful library. They have manuscripts going back to, to pre-Tudor period all translated, of course, into modern English. So I did a great deal of research, and I put together what I, hand on heart, believe is the true history of Richard. Yes. Uh, of course, there will be historians who will disagree with this, but mm. I don't say anything in this play. They can say, oh, no, that's definitely not true, because it's all... It's not only possible, I believe it's it's plausible and far yes. more plausible than the villainous view Well, Richard. let's face it, when the the remains of Richard were discovered uh, and confirmed by carbon dating uh, and under a car park somewhere, it was confirmed that he wasn't, he wasn't a hunchback. And uh, and obviously that there are contemporary or near contemporary sources of information, the Croyland Chronicle, uh, Dominic Mancini, I think, uh, Paston Letters. Right. Presumably you, you use some of those to uh, shape the yes, play I as did. well. And uh, it was was very important. Although you have to read between the lines, the the, the patron of the Cro Abbey of Crowland near Ely was in fact one of Richard's greatest enemies, oh, Margaret right. <laughs> and the Bishop of Ely himself, uh, John Morton, was the source of the the strong anti-Ricardian propaganda. But there is there is much that's useful in that and in Mancini. Although Man the Mancini account finishes um, before the Battle of Bosworth, so it doesn't tell the full story. Sure. Um, and even there. Uh, it's biased, but yes. there are a lot of other. I, I think I've probably drew on more than fifty separate sources. Yes. Some of them just the odd little tidbit of information. Robert Fabian, of course. Yes, Harleian manuscript. Sure. There's so many. So, uh, Ian, do you do you think has this seems such an obvious idea to do, and so fascinating to have a window into what really happened? Obviously, yes. the play Richard III is a masterpiece, but it, it's a fiction. Well, hasn't anybody tried to do this before? Not as for not in the form of a play. I find this extraordinary. The closest thing that I'm aware of, and I've I've asked people who should know far more than I do. The closest thing, perhaps, is a novel, a detective story written by. Um, let me get her name right. Mm -hmm. Is it just Tay? in the 1950s and that was a story of a, a, a policeman who had a broken leg so he was confined to hospital so he whiled away his time researching Richard III and mm. the, the, his research revealed to him in this fictional context mm. uh, that the account by Sir Thomas More was incorrect and that Richard was in fact probably a much a better king and a decent bloke basically yes, absolutely. and so yes it, it, that's the only fictional uh, as far as I'm aware okay. uh, account so, good, good King Richard, emphasis on the good. This is a brand new play. I mean, I'm, I'm reading about it, a tale of murder, betrayal, rebellion, revenge. Political intrigue. I mean, it sounds like House of Cards combined with Dallas. This sounds like a fantastic... <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. I've never seen House of Cards. Oh. But people have told me that the, this play is likely to appeal to people who like House of Cards. Absolutely. Very and, political. Yeah. I mean, when I set about researching this, I told myself two things. I'm not going to write this play unless two conditions were satisfied. And one is that I believed in the pro-Ricardian view, because I really had to hand on heart believe on it. Absolutely. This. Secondly, that it was a dramatic story. And mm. it's an incredibly dramatic story. If anything, mm. I think it's even more dramatic than the fictional version. Yes. Because there are very diabolical characters. The two villains of the piece are actually the two mothers, Margaret Beaufort, ruthlessly intent on putting her son, Henry VII, on the throne, and Elizabeth Woodville, 
who, in the terms of this play, was the widow of Edward IV, Richard's older brother, ruthlessly intent on putting her son, who would be Edward V, on the throne. Ah, and these right. are very determined, very Machiavellian, mm. in, in slightly different ways, of course. And they are, they are mm-hmm. the villains of the piece. Uh, tell us about the White Bear Theatre. I mean, was there a specific theatre you were going to put this play on, or did you yes. did you sort of uh, look around? or? Yes. I did. I wrote this one very specifically for the White Bear because mm-hmm. right, the White Bear has, is one of London's fringe theatres which has a very strong reputation uh, for new and experimental writing. Sure. And uh, they have put on two of my previous plays, uh, both of which were co-written with Robert Pope, uh, both the one I referred to earlier, The Dead Shepherd, and another one, a contemporary play called the School of Light, which was a comedy about the clash between reason and superstition. So a very different work. So tell us where the White Bear is, is situated in, in good old London. It's Kennington. It's, uh, it's a walk from Kennington Tube, so it's very central mm-hmm. and not far at all from, say, London Bridge, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, behind the pub, so they do food and drink as well. It's, it's recently been spruced up. It's a, it's a very nice place. So a good evening can be had by all and a nice drink afterwards. Tell us about uh, the cast. It looked like a very fine, fine uh, group of uh, actors oh, yeah. based on the photographs. This is my first time directing, and I have the help of a co-director, Courtney, as well. Mm-hmm. She is formally trained in directing, and unlike myself, I'm just playing it by ear, really. Mm-hmm. But the cast, I have been so fortunate, every single one of them is delivering a superb performance. They're all experienced, of course, even despite the fact that some of them are quite young. I mean, all, uh, the, all, the, all the photos of them look like spotlight photos, uh, equity. So I, I presume, are they all uh, trained professional actors? They're all professional, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, this is a, a thoroughly professional venture. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very fortunate, and, and with the technical staff as well. So this yeah, starts, as we're recording now, this starts tomorrow, and it's got a run of about, what, two? It's two weeks, two a two-week week run. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so, six days. The theatre is closed on a Monday, so it's on Tuesday to Sunday. Yeah. Sunday is a matinee. Hmm. Uh, the other other nights are 7.30. So if you were selling this in, in, a, in a short sound bite, here's your minute. What are you going to say to us? This, the very short sound bite is <laughs> discover the real Richard III in an entertaining way. Ian Dixon Potter, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck with the play and success. And uh, here's to a West End run in the future. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And the film as well. <laughs> yeah, that would, it, would, it, would, it would suit cinema very well. How yes. exciting. And it all started here. Ian Dixon Potter, thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. And our many thanks go to Ian, the cast and crew of the Golden Age Theatre Company, the White Bear Theatre and composer Jonathan Palmer. Good King Richard begins on December the 8th to the 20th, 2015. And tickets are available online or by calling 0333 Go see it. I'm Nick Randall. Goodbye.